0: Hey everyone, Luke Slaybaugh here. It's been a long time since I've updated this podcast. In fact, we're recording about a month to the day since the last episode came out. In between my actual 9-to-5 job, my freelance work for Bally Sports, and traveling to and from Austin, Texas for freelance work, I haven't really found the time to create something unique or something that I personally would be proud of. And uh, these last few weeks have been so full of drama and interesting things. I mean, the Deshaun Watson saga, uh, you want to know my take on how the Cleveland Browns approached that or how they did Baker Mayfield? Uh, (laughs) uh, From a football perspective, the football move, uh, Deshaun Watson probably top 10 five quarterback in the league good for them in terms of the nuance and making that move given the civil lawsuits that watson faces and the potential suspension that he faces rolling the dice on that with over 200 million dollars in guaranteed money feels like cowardice but you could tell at the combine that Kevin Stefanski had had it up to here and that they were moving on, just picking apart the words that he actually said. I remember in particular he said, you know, I love the format of the combine. I love going out. I love watching the quarterbacks throw. I wasn't going to write anything at the time, but I did allude to something in one of my articles for Bally, that, you know, if Cleveland were to move on from Baker, they're playing their hand exceedingly well. How do I feel about Tom Brady coming back from retirement? Dude, make up your mind. (laughs) Everyone was, you know, felt odd. It was an odd weekend. A lot of people's childhoods ending. Someone who had been in the game for more than 20 years um, has another breath of fresh air and is still a top 10 quarterback in the league. Probably would have been my MVP boat a season ago. Is Matt Ryan a better fit at quarterback for the Colts than Carson Wentz? Absolutely. A thousand percent. Way to make lemons into lemonade. So we were rolling to start this year in February and in early March. We were pounding out episodes sometimes twice a week, sometimes three times a week. Uh, The combine was a super rewarding, fulfilling experience. We were riding this high. We were on a hot streak for this podcast and Life kind of cycles in and out. You have some really hot streaks and then you have some really low lows. And I think most of you know what's going on with me uh, in my personal life, but even what I have put out there on Twitter uh, is not scratching the surface of what these last couple weeks have been like. Uh, I lost two grandparents over the span of three days, both of whom were very close to me. We will unpack this at a later time. I have some guests lined up who can speak to loss much better than I can. So I don't have much to say about it right now. I did take these last couple of weeks to try and focus on my mental health. I tried to. I think that's very important. I've had so many friends drill home that point for me. I think focusing on your mental health is important focusing on your mental health in a crisis, uh, addressing personal issues. It's imperative. However, it's a long process. It's a long thing, and I don't know when I am going to be out of the woods. However, it was important that I got something out and use this outlet once again. So I hope you enjoy. I met this week's guest on a plane, and he is a college basketball player, Playing for Temple College in Temple, Texas. He's 21 years old, rising sophomore, and he's from the United Kingdom. It's Alex Gager. Alex, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm great. I'm great. It's great to have met you. Uh, no, that it was a real, like, uh, it, it wasn't uh, likely that happening, but I think it's, it was great for both of us. So I'm just <laughs> looking forward to getting this started.
0: Very serendipitous, very much up to chance. And when I met you on the plane, you were visiting colleges in Missouri and Kansas. You had just gotten back from that
1: trip. Where all did you go? I had gone to Missouri Valley, started off in Missouri Valley University, uh, over in Marshall, Missouri, then made my way over to Baldwin city, uh, Kansas to see, uh, Baker university. And, uh, then I just got done that same day that I seen you. I just got done at Missouri Baptist university. Um, so that was like, kind of gone a big circle, but yeah.
0: Yeah, big circle throughout the, the great state of Missouri. And when it comes to NAIA colleges and schools like Missouri Baptist, how do they try to pitch you and convince you to come to their university?
1: Uh, the big thing I kind of did is just got, kind of got to meet the guys. Every school kind of goes about uh, in different ways. Um, you know, Missouri Valley just kind of really tried to sell me the family and really tried to sell me, uh, you know, like the whole, really just a family feel that the team has. And, you know, I really like that. And, um, you know, the coaches were really hard on their guys. Uh, I got to sit in, in, a, in a lift session and, um, you know, just got to see how hard they work. And, you know, that was a really hard working group. Um, so just seeing how hard they push each other on the court, but then just seeing how um, off the court they're just a big group. Um, Baker tried to sell a lot more of the academic side, them being one of the best if not the best academic school in Kansas Um, so you know just for for me just getting to see their academic side that's what they were really focused on and they don't have many returners so they couldn't really show me their players Uh, with Missouri Baptist there was a lot more just getting to sit down with the coaches um, and see some of the players but you know it 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 was a lot more balanced and you know, coming out of that, that, you know, it was a lot more, um, you know, it was just little bits of everything, just getting to see the campus and just getting to sit down with the coaches. So every coach kind of has their own kind of their way of going about it. And, you know, you just got to find, um, find the right fit for you, I guess.
0: Were you able to find the right fit during this trip?
1: Um, so I, right now I'm at the point where I'm still trying to figure out numbers. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how much I can afford to pay. And, you know, none of these are looking at uh, being full ride scholarships um, as of yet. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out how much I can afford to pay and how much each of these schools are, are, are going to require me to pay at each separate one. So um, that's obviously going to play a big factor in my decision Because if a school says, "Here, look, we need you to pay X, y, X amount of numbers, X amount of dollars for this uh, per year and i can't afford it then that's obviously gonna have to take them off my list um, but yeah that, that's the part i'm trying to figure out right now
0: you got a pretty good deal going on at temple college right now right because that's mainly you know it's
1: pretty well funded yeah yeah no we had right now it's a full ride scholarship um with exception to you know it's, we get a hundred dollars a month for food uh as opposed to a meal plan because unfortunately we don't have a cafe on campus. Um, but other than that, it's a full ride and it, you know, it's a, it's a great setup here. Uh, as I'm speaking, we're actually at a, a team sponsor's house watching the final, uh, the, the, the final of the NCAA college season, um, at our, our team sponsor's house. So, you know, it's, it's a great little house. It's a great house here and it's a great, you know, just setup and, um, no, like, this whole season has been a great opportunity for me in, just, in terms of just, uh, you know, getting to prove myself this year in, in a great team.
0: The last time I checked the score about a couple minutes ago, they were tied at 18. Who Who'd you pick for tonight?
1: Man, I'm the type of guy, I love me an underdog. And uh, with North Carolina being the eighth seed, you know, I, I just kind of I kind of have to go with them. I love North Carolina. I love the hustle they're playing with they're starting five man is injured. They're starting power forward, just got smacked in the face. Uh, so, I, so I'm, I'm rooting for them right now, just with everything they're having to fight right now.
0: You know, historically, both those teams are blue blood programs. North Carolina had Michael Jordan, had Dean Smith, had Roy Williams. So like they're fine. They're not – no one's feeling sorry for them that they were an eighth seed. Um, but I understand where you're coming from with that. How much were you able to pay attention to American Division I college ball when you lived overseas?
1: Honestly, not, not a huge amount. I was never really a fan of it until I got to play it. And even when I was uh, – I'm two years into my college career now, and this is probably the most I've ever watched college basketball uh I say the last month or so is the most college basketball I've ever watched in any month ever. Um, and part of that's because of March Madness, but even just before, like I had gradually started watching it more and more throughout the season. Um so when our season ended about a month or so ago, that is just more of an excuse to watch other teams play in college basketball. Um so no, I just I just love watching college ball and honestly like just getting to see these high level teams compete. It was just awesome, and uh, obviously the time zone uh, being in the UK, it was a lot harder to to kind of get to get a a good night's rest, but also watch you know these games that are starting at two a.m. for me over there. So now it's just a lot easier.
0: You're very lucky to live in a city that's between Waco, Texas, and Austin, Texas, because you've got two pretty darn good Division One schools uh, sandwiched uh, or sandwiching you. Um, and you mentioned that you've gone to Baylor several times and watched some games just on trips with your, your teammates.
1: What do you try to get out of those experiences? Um, the main things that I try and get away, just kind of uh, almost like small reads that you only notice in specific situations. Um, so like I watch this possession that's happening right now, there's a ball screen. So I'll look at the specific instance of, you know, why they're doing everything that's happening. So every step that a player makes on the court, I'm trying to I'm trying to pick down, I'm trying to notice every every step they're taking and and why they're taking that step and you know, every intent that's behind a shot fake, a ball fake, a, a jab step. I just try and pick not only what they're doing, but why they're doing it so that I can add that to my game and so that I know when I see that same when I'm in that same um, situation that they're in, I can just add that to my game and I can add that, uh, add that read. And even just go away, go away and work on it before, um, before I even see that situation in the game, just, you know, tomorrow I might see something that that I'll see now and uh, and tomorrow I'll go, go to the gym and work on it. Um, You know, just to make sure that I have that ability if if it ever comes to it in a game situation. Mm
0: -hmm. When do you become comfortable with applying something new to your game and then demonstrating it for either your coach or another coach and getting their opinion
1: on it? I mean, honestly, it's kind of at the point where you just got to have confidence in yourself. And if, you know, if you try and make a move, you've got to know that in a, game, in a competition setting, if you're going to make a move, it has to be because you think you, can, you have the ability to make that move. You can't you can't just go out there and make moves that you don't know you can make. Um, and if you do, you're most likely gonna turn the ball over. Um and, and so you know, like obviously everyone's a victim of that sometimes. Everyone's gonna try new stuff and you know sometimes you just you know, people mess up and they turn the ball over as it is. So, you know, you just gotta try and stick to your game and try and limit the amount of turnovers you have and limit the amount of mistakes you make.
0: Mm-hmm. You came off very astute on the plane. You've got this commitment to, to learning and, and trying to get better. Your basketball career is still alive. You still have chances to move up and move on to, the, to as high a level as you can physically make it. Where does improvement need to start for you to make that jump to either NAIA or an
1: NCAA Division II type of school? With me, I'm always just trying to learn. So, I mean, we spoke briefly on the plane and just just about how I got my attitude of learning and, um, you know, always wanting to be better. So I told you a quick story. I'll repeat it uh, just, you know, for everyone listening. Um, Just my mom always told me when I was when I was younger, just to always, you know, there's no point in trying to do something if you're not trying to be the best at it. And, uh, you know, like to myself, like I know that I have my challenges, like I'm not you know, I'm a, I'm a six-eight, relatively skinny white guy from from London, England. I, I, I'm going to have the same. I'm going to have some physical uh, physical limitations. Like, I'm I'm not the quickest guy on the court. So, what do I know? Okay, so as a, as a slower guy, I have to think faster. I have to I have to process the same stuff that everyone else has to process, but I have to do it quicker. And I have to try and find ways to maybe cut corners. So, where guys say I close out to the corner on a late rotation. If I sprint right at the guy, he's going to be able to beat me baseline. But if I make, it, make a, a slight turn in my cut and and close out to him straight up, I'm able to contest the shot and also take away the drive. So, you know, it's just stuff like that. And just trying to find ways where, you know, I can keep my advantage with my length, but not lose my advantage with my speed. Um, and just trying to find ways that, you know, like the, the, I have to read the game differently to a quick, smaller guard because, me and him, obviously he's smaller than me, but he might be quicker than me. So not only trying to find, make the right read but make the right read for me in my situation. Uh, so, yeah, I hope to answered your question.
0: You did. <clears throat> you also mentioned that mindset that your mother gave you was kind of motivating, but, but where does that commitment to improvement have to stop before it gets you
1: know, overwhelming or unbearable. Yeah, no, it it definitely gets to a point sometimes where, um, you know, I I make a good move or uh, and whatnot. Like I might I might come out the game and have three buckets in a row, and then the, the fourth time I, I I'll miss a layup or you know just I'll make a slightly just a play that you know I could have done something better, even if it's not a bad result, even if it's just something sign that I recognize a bit late. I'll get annoyed at myself and it will it will. It will show to my teammates, at least the people who know me, it might not show to the outside people uh, and just fans, but my teammates will be able to know like, Hey, look, Alex, you need to, you need to get out of your head right now. We need you back in this game. Um, And and, you know, like my teammates have been great with that this season and just kind of holding me accountable and making me, uh, you know, helping me get like a mental recheck, but no, it definitely hurts. Uh, It definitely means like I'm overthinking the game sometimes. Um, but no, as long as my teammates allow me to kind of uh, play my game, and then also kind of uh, how, how do I kind of say this? Like, kind of just go out there and just figure figure plays out on the on the uh, figure. What's it called? On the fly, just figure everything out on the fly. And you know, uh, most of the time going to get a play right, but if I don't, I just got to try and not think about it too much, uh, which has been my biggest problem so far.
0: Mentioned there was someone you were close with, either in administration or in af- the athletic department, that was kind of a rock for you in yeah. keeping things in perspective and, and someone you talk to every day. Do you mind expanding on that just a little bit?
1: Yeah, no. Uh, so I remember telling you, actually, it was uh, it was DJ. Her name's DJ Bailey. And she's an older lady. She's our athletic advisor. And she doesn't love to she, – she doesn't love everyone knowing this, but not uh, – Men's, men's basketball at Temple College that was her favourite sport and uh, <laughs> you know she loved us and I like to think I was her favourite player on the team so you know she like after every game she recognised that man, I could have a game where I had 13 rebounds and, and 14 points and uh, you know a very very solid game for myself and she, and she would say uh, she would say Alex this was a, a great game for you this was the best game of the season and every time my response was always, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. This was a bad game, bad game. Because I'm always thinking about all the bad things I did or even just the things I could have done better. Um, but she would always run up to me after game and just, and she would just say, Alex, this was a great game for you. Alex, this was your best game of the season. And for me, it was just great hearing that. It was just great to, to know that not only does my team have, my, have that confidence in me, but just the people on the other side of the sideline the people who are just sat in the stands, they have that confidence in me to go out and perform. Um, and to know that, you know, every mistake isn't that big a deal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we can just, you made a mistake. Um, you know, just have, knowing that everyone had that confidence in me, including including DJ Bailey, it was it was a big deal for me.
0: What was the hardest part about adjusting to the United States? <sighs>
1: That's a great question. The hardest part has just got to be like just the culture shock. And I know it's just such an easy answer. and I, I know the culture and everyone just throw culture out there, but people are just really different out here uh, in terms of just how people go about their day-to-day lives. People in the UK, from my experience, are a lot more, um, it's small groups. It's, it's more like you have your friends and you kind of keep your, like keep in your friend groups and you kind of you know it's, it's a lot more a like small group kind of that's how the UK is being a smaller country as well um, but in America, I think people are just so outgoing like if I if I had met someone like you in the United Kingdom I, I would never have got to know that you know you were you because we would never have spoken <laughs> uh, you know we would have we would have just gone about our days um, but no in America I think it's great because you get to network so much easier and you get to you get to meet great people who you can help and who can help you out and you know i just it it took a little adjusting to and honestly it 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 probably hurt me the fact that i wasn't ready for it because there were some people who could have helped me and i i I came here with the mindset of i don't want to ask for help because that's that's kind of how i had been for years it was just kind of i didn't want to ask for help but uh yeah that's
0: a really good point i myself and my career and things that you know challenged me in my life, issues that I go through, I'm way too independent. And I don't know where I got that from. I mean, I have an idea of where I got it from, but I always, you know, I try to shrug off help or, you know, I'm not always one to make eye contact at the airport or in the, uh, in the airplane, which is funny because our, our first interaction probably could have gone depending on how well I was feeling probably could have gone a completely different way because when some guy yep. six foot eight comes up to you and is like, Hey, do you mind if I take the aisle seat instead of you? I was like, Oh, oh here we go. Um, but actually no, it was, uh, it was fine. It turned out pretty well.
1: Um, yeah. Good no, on my end. It could definitely have gone a different way, <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Uh, um, not that bad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, you um, you started off in Pueblo, Colorado, uh, Colorado State University, Pueblo, and uh, before that, also you, you played in Iceland, correct? So you're pretty well traveled um, in your career. Um, could you just expand a little bit on how you got to this point today and how you ended up in Temple?
1: Yeah, no. So I, I played I played in the United Kingdom uh, until I was around 18 years old. Um, my last two years, I played at an academy level, the highest academy level, the highest under-19 level in, in the uh, in the United Kingdom. I played under the under-20s national team uh, head coach. Uh, his name was Alan Keen. Um But, you know, he, he had kind of told me, hey, look, Alex, you're, you're not good enough to play in America. Uh, these guys are better than you, and I'm struggling to find them at Juco. Um, and they were my teammates, so I knew they were better than me. And I was like, okay, whatever. Well, if- they're not going to go to JUCO. I was like, there's a hard chance I am. Um, And then that summer, just by chance, just because I love playing basketball, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to this camp in Portugal. It was a basketball camp, lasted a week long. Um, And it was, I I just kind of wanted to go there for for fun and just play basketball for a week. Um, And while I I was at this camp, I ended up meeting a guy called Chris Caird, who turns out to be the head coach at a semi-pro team in the highest... Uh, in the highest semi-pro league in Iceland, and uh, he's like, "Hey, look, we need my uh, under-20s and my men's team needs a big man um, who has the versatility and the size and the athleticism that you that you do have." Um, and he said, "Hey, look, we just we need a guy like you. you uh, and basically, if you spend a year with us, I'll do my best to get you sent off to uh, an NCAA or NAIA, or just a school somewhere in America." and get you that 4 hour scholarship that you're looking for. And um, sure enough, I went to him for a year, had a pretty decent season. Um, and he got me connected with the head coach at, at CSU Pueblo. Uh, so I went to CSU Pueblo. Um, didn't, have a, didn't have an amazing year. Uh, I, I uh, hardly played much. Uh, it wasn't really a great fit for me. Uh, I wasn't at the happiest in terms of my personal life at the time. Um, so for a lot of reasons, that, that year just didn't go according to plan. Um, so I was kind of in a scramble after that to just find the best JUCO available because with the game tape I did have, I wasn't going to go to a four-year school with that. Um, and it wasn't a very good D2. So, you know, I really kind of had to go to the JUCO route. And sure enough, again, uh, Coach Ellis, Coach Clifton Ellis, gave me a great uh, opportunity at Temple College um, in one of the tougher JUCO's, uh, in one of the tougher JUCO conferences in the country, um, th- this conference is filled with athletes. Uh, anyone that knows much about JUCO basketball will know that Region Five is where it's at in terms of athletic. Um, so you know, I had a I had a great season here. I was able to shoot the ball a lot uh, as a stretch four man. Um, you know, at the start of the at the start of the season pre conference, and then as we kind of got into conference. I just started, uh, in practice playing, playing a lot more aggressively in terms of on the, on the inside and just, I don't know, something just clicked in terms of how how I was playing on the inside and playing on my, like attacking from the post and finishing around the rim, uh, even just passing around the rim and just passing out like to to open shooters. So coach was like, okay, we're going to get him a lot more looks in that situation. And, um, I ended up playing a lot more center minutes in conference. I don't think I played a minute of power forward, uh, despite the fact that I shown I could shoot the ball uh, before conference. But I felt that that would help us win more games, and it did. Um, we we ended up going eight and six in conference. After last year, the team had only won one game in conference. Um, so we uh we had a big step up in terms of how we performed as a team this year, and. Uh, yeah, no, like I kind of got to show that I could play, I could be effective at the power forward position as a shooter um, and a versatile wing player. But then I also showed that I could be an effective uh, rebounder and an effective, um, you know, pick and pop, but also pick and roll guy. Um, you know, I just kind of showed that I the ability to play two positions effectively.
0: Where are you able to demonstrate your versatility
1: best at the four or the five? Personally, I like playing the four more because it means that, you know, I get to shoot the ball. I get to handle the ball a little bit more. Um, but then on top of that, I can also post up, uh, I get to post up the other team's power forward as opposed to posting up the other team's center. So it's a, it's a smaller guy. It's easier. I try and post it, uh, post up in on a fast break, post up in transition. Um, before the defense will get set a lot of times. Um, just like, you know, even if there's a ball screen, I might try and post up right behind it. And then once the ball screen takes place, then I'll kind of get out of the way. Um, but just, I always, I'm always trying to find ways to kind of post up as the power forward position. Um, so really, I think the power forward kind of gives me a lot more opportunities to, to attack from both from both levels. Um, so yeah, it's probably, probably, I'll go with that one. <laughs>
0: The coach in the UK told you you weren't good enough for America. How much did that fuel you?
1: Oh, that was pretty, to this day, it's the biggest thing that fuels me. That, <laughs> to this day, I actually have a poster hanging up in my room. I wish I could show you. And it's a Jimmy Butler quote. And it's and uh, I don't even know who Jimmy Butler is, but, you know, he's an <laughs> NBA, <laughs> NBA all-star. <laughs> this guy, is a, he's a great, great NBA player. And, he's, and his quote is... Uh, his quote is, they said I couldn't do it and that's why I did. And, you know, every morning I uh, I have like a, it's a metal, it's a metal like a poster type thing. And I just knock on that. I give it a little every morning. And that's just my way of saying that it's me today trying to prove Alan Keane wrong. And <laughs> maybe I'm a, a bit obsessive about it, but uh, that, that's a, it meant a lot to me when he said that. I'll never forget the words, the exact words that he used.
0: Yeah. um, We all have moments like that. First of all, look up who Jimmy Butler is after this. I think you'll be impressed. A lot of memes with him too. Um, But um, yeah, I had something similar um, in my job in Knoxville Um, guy said that, you know, I didn't have much long, much longer time as a, as a sports anchor reporter and He's probably going to be a producer for the rest of my life, and uh, I am in the industry, and he is not, so there's that.
1: Go uh, <laughs> it's, you go, on. you know, li-
0: living well is the best revenge. Uh, you don't even have to be petty about it, you just have to state the facts and, and, and do your job. Exactly. They say you can't do it, so you do it. Um, you mentioned you're at your team sponsor's house. Um, who are they?
1: Uh, so her name is Melissa. Uh, she just has a lovely family here, I think they have about five kids. Uh, husband here they have two dogs these these dogs keep coming over and playing with me as I'm talking to you Um, and they have a cat that's just walking around as well I'm not much of a cat person so I think it can tell because I can't find it now but uh, (laughs) yeah no they just got a lovely house here Um, and yeah no, we have have, there's two TVs outside there's a a pool house that uh, that all of my teammates are sat in watching the game and then in the house, Melissa and her family are watching the game right behind me. So it's a lovely setup.
0: Mm-hmm. What is the most important quality you are looking for in an ideal fit
1: for your next school? Somewhere I can get my master's. Uh, that, that's a very easy one for me. Um, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm set up after basketball. Um, I've seen... Seen and even just heard of way too many guys who were amazing at basketball, even better than I am now, and their careers ended overnight because they tore their ACL, they uh, th- um, popped a disc in their back, there, whatever it is. You know, injuries you can't prevent. There's no preparing for those type of injuries, and you know, I want to be make sure I want to make sure I'm set up for life. And uh, once I can get my hands on that masters. I feel like I'm set up for life regardless of how basketball is day to day. And of course that doesn't mean I don't want to play basketball at the highest level I can. And um, I don't want to, you know, obviously I want to go in and play basketball and compete at the highest level. I want to improve every day. You know, we've already spoken about how much of a learner I am, but uh, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, my, I'm not giving everything into basketball when, Basketball is not going to last forever. It doesn't for anyone. Yes. Nothing lasts forever. There's your inspirational quote for
0: tonight. Um, (laughs) Psychology, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I want to get my master's in psychology. Um, I've, with the amount of thinking I do and whatnot, you can, you can imagine, you know, I've had I've had a, a bit of ups and downs with mental health throughout my life. Um, as recent as Colorado State University, Pueblo. And that's not because of them, you know, with everything I had going on personally at the time, uh, um, it it just wasn't a great time for me. And, you know, with with all the ups and downs I've seen, you know, I've I've always wanted to like be in a position where I can help people uh, dealing with those same kind of mental, the mental troubles and the mental ups and downs that you have. And, um, you know, I kind of want to be, I want to go into being a counsellor when I can uh, after basketball. And um, I think by getting my master's, it will kind of like it would open that door for me to kind of get right into it afterwards.
0: You said you were feeling down in Pueblo. What was the most challenging thing you had to overcome?
1: Um, probably just uh, I was going through a shooting slump, and then that kind of just fed into everything. But then I was also at the same kind of time, like, Within a week, I had chipped my tooth, so I had to get a fake tooth. And then we had our dog put down back home. And then I wasn't shooting the ball great. I wasn't playing a lot of minutes. I wasn't really clicking with my teammates but uh, uh, over there. So it just everything kind of fed into – everything kind of piled up. And um, the counsellor I was seeing at the time had told me that it was just kind of the stars aligning uh, for not a very great time. Um but once that, once that kind of uh, passed and I got to Temple and, you know, it just, like, my whole situation flipped. Um, and now I just kind of, I'm in a position where it's the perfect situation for me, I think.
0: Dude, when it rains, it pours. Like, one bad thing happens and it, it starts to feed into, like you said, the stars align, aligning and one bad thing happened after another. How did you get out of it? Was it just the move to Texas or what steps did you take to
1: get yourself back to a good mental state? I mean, the first thing was honestly just a fresh start somewhere else. Being around not a single person I'm around this year was with me at CSU Pueblo. So just a whole bunch of fresh faces. Um, and not only were they just fresh faces, but they were just completely different personalities moving from Colorado to Texas. You know, like it's a whole different culture, I think. Like it, you know, we kind of spoke about it briefly on the plane, even where we said, uh, or what well, I said, that every every state is like a whole different country. Um, in terms of the people you're meeting with, uh and the per the people you deal with on a day-to-day basis. So uh, you know, I think Texas was just more um it was just a better fit for me. I always talk about fit and you know. Texas was just a better fit for me, I think, in terms of lifestyle.
0: You said that Texas and Colorado were the two best places you visited. Maybe I asked you if it was most beautiful. You still stand by that?
1: Oh, definitely. Well, in terms of in terms of just the, the beauty of a, of a state, Colorado's in terms of what I've seen in the in the United States, Colorado's probably the prettiest state I've seen. The mountain ranges, the the sun sets. <laughs> Colorado's got to be the best for me, I think.
0: It's fun. Everyone's moving to Denver. Everyone's moving to Austin. Um, yeah. It's been about 30 minutes. How are the Tar Heels doing?
1: Oh, they're killing it. They're halftime just went, and it's uh, 40 to 25, I believe. UNC? No, I'm loving it. Yeah, UNC is up right now.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: I covered it. Yeah, they're killing it right now. I, I when I left, I left my teammates and, it was, and I think we were down three. I'm supporting the, the Tar Heels right now. I love me an underdog, <laughs> and uh, so I'm loving this. I'm loving this. I can't wait to go uh, to go rub this in my teammates' faces because everyone, all of them except one of them, they uh, wanted to wanted to say a go with Kansas.
0: I don't know how many people in Texas would be rooting for, uh, for KU. I went to the university of Missouri, so I'm not allowed to to affiliate with Kansas things. Um, It's a fine university, but eh. Um, Brady Manick I covered in college. He, um, he went to Oklahoma for his undergrad. He transferred to UNC this past off season and um, he has uh, been as advertised. And that one guy has a, has a double, double at halftime. That is incredible. Um, it yeah. was eighteen to eighteen when we started this podcast.
1: Yeah, no, I mean it's it's a great game. I've, one thing I've noticed is money is everywhere, and I think the fact that uh, Baycott, uh the big guy for North Carolina, is just the fact he's even trying to play with with his ankle, uh, with, with his ankle hurting the way it is right now, and it's clearly affecting how he's playing. But the fact he's trying, I think, is giving his teammates energy. Um, and you can, you can really see his guards being more aggressive and his guards trying to take a bigger load uh, of the offensive. Um, well, a bigger load on offense just because, you know, he, he's not going to be able to give the same kind of production as normal and they're recognizing that.
0: Dude, uh, I mean, that's going to go up there with some of the best, like all-time injured slash sick games. Like you got Michael Jordan's flu game. Um Joe Montana, a quarterback for the 49ers, had a flu or actually no, he was with Notre Dame when this happened, had a had a had a flu game. Um, but no, playing on a a wonky ankle is incredible. Hopefully this isn't a freezing cold take and we wake up and this podcast posts and KU came back, but you know, knowing (laughs) knowing our luck, maybe it will will happen. Oh man. Well, Alex, what else would you want people to know
1: about you? man, just that I'm a learner. We kind of spoke about this before, like, uh before in this podcast, but just, I'm always, I'm a guy that's always trying to learn. And if if anyone happens to know any coaches and listens to this and knows any coaches that at any level, I'm open to anywhere. Like, I'm talking any IAD3, D1, D2. I'm actually pretty opposed to D1 more than any other level because I know that I'm pretty not going to play as much at the D1 level. Uh And, you know, I want to be a part of a, of a winning team. And I don't mean sit on the bench for a winning team. I want to, play a winning on a winning team and uh, you know i kind of think that you know any, if anyone's able to kind of say a name say the name alex Gage to, to any kind of coach and just say hey look this guy wants to get wants to get his masters and he's gonna he's gonna an learn he's gonna give you everything he, he has in him and if it's not enough it's not enough you know what i mean but you know i'm i'm a guy that's gonna try and give you everything and if anyone is able to help me out then, like please do uh, yeah, Th- That is one thing
0: I really liked about you. You're a networker, and you are not afraid to shoot your shot and slide inside these coaches' DMs. What
1: success have you gotten out of that strategy? Um, well, I mean, my whole kind of routine is uh, I kind of – every night I'm on these podcasts on Twitter. Um, you know, there's a, there's a guy called William Payne. He's, he's the guy I follow the most. Um, and I just kind of go on his spaces or any other spaces that guys that he might follow and whatnot. And um, I'll go into the podcast. I'll follow every coach in the podcast, regardless of level. Like I said, I'll just follow them. Um, if I really like their school, I'll, I'll send the coach a message right away. Um, but if, you know, if I don't really know much about the program, which is the case most times, then what I'll try and do is I'll just wait and see if they follow me back. And if they, excuse me, if they follow me back, then I'll send, I'll send a coach a message and say, this is my play style. This is my GPA. This is my height, weight. You know, this is, this is everything they need to know about me in, in a short, relatively short message. Um, and just, I just try and get my name out there as much as possible. And I've, I've been pretty successful with it. Um, I've got some very good, NAI looks so far and a couple D2, uh, a couple interesting, some D2s as well. um, and some D3s as well, actually, uh, some very good D3s. Um, so like I said, like uh, just trying to put my name out there as much as possible. And I, I've been relatively, relatively successful, but you know, I, I'm not committed anywhere yet. So I want to try and continue to put my name out there until I am.
0: Alex, you're super engaging on the plane. That was a great heart-to-heart we had. I was tempted in the moment to just pull out my microphone um, that I had right there and just knock it out. Um, in between the the aisle seats there. I don't think the flight attendant would have uh, have cared much for that. But I I tell you, we're going to get you there somehow, somewhere, wherever you want to be. We'll get you there. Or you'll get yourself there, and we'll be cheering from the, the sidelines.
1: Appreciate that. You know, I appreciate that. I appreciate your time. Well,
0: Alex Gager, 21 years old. Thank you so much. Best of luck in your next endeavors.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you.
0: And that was the podcast. Thank you so much to Alex Gager from Temple College joining the show. If you liked this conversation, if you've gone back and liked some of our coverage from the combine and before then, please like or subscribe to this podcast, share it, and we'll see you as soon as possible.